You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Off Day Debrief, part of the SB Nation NFL show. I am Rob Stats Guerrero from Nine Years Nation, and with me once again from Bleeding Green Nation, Brandon Lee Gowden. Stats, we have some giant news to get to at the top of the show today. Kind of surprising. Uh, we're going to get to that happen literally just before we hit record. Before we do, though, we want to remind everybody that we are brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That is code SBNNFL only at DraftKings. All right, BLG, let's get right to it. Because as you said, breaking news, we had been wondering. I know I had been wondering. I literally just wrote something up at Niners Nation about the announcing teams for the NFL this year, and I didn't know who the lead analyst for Fox Sports was going to be. I don't know who it's going to be this year, but I know who it's going to be pretty soon, and that is the one, the only Tom Brady, because according to Fox itself, whenever Brady retires, he has agreed to become the lead analyst. Your thoughts? So... They're hiring an analyst for like five years out because is, is Tom Brady definitely gone after this year? Because it says whenever his career ends. I mean, that I don't know. He could play at least one more season, probably reasonably, right? You can envision that. Maybe it's hard to think beyond that. Um, but uh I don't know. I, I, I don't know if this is a good move. You'd like to point out all the time that Bill Walsh and Joe Montana were not good. Uh already tweeted it. Yeah, <laughs> analysts, uh, just because they were great, uh, you know, players, coaches, whatever. So I, I definitely think that doesn't, you know, always just carry over. But, uh, you know, I've heard Tom Brady talk before. I don't think that he's going to offer necessarily anything interesting. It's also always possible he gets better after, you know, kind of focusing on it more and some coaching and whatnot. Um, I don't think it's like a disaster, but I don't know how good it is. What about you? Yeah, I think it honestly what it always comes down to with me is are guys afraid of being critical, especially early on when they're talking about people that they just played in the league with, whether it's, you know, former teammates, even opponents that they might like and have respect for. You have to be able to be honest and authentic with the audience. And sometimes people you like make dumb plays or bad plays or whatever, and you have to be able to call it out. And not everybody was willing to do that. John Gruden never called anybody out when he was doing Monday Night Football. It used to drive me nuts. You have to be able to be honest with people. And I don't know if Brady can do that. John Gruden used to think every player was literally the best player in the NFL once upon a time. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I guess I would love to see Brady doing a Patriots game. First thing comes to mind mm. when you're talking about being critical. Uh, wouldn't that be great? Man, I don't know what Belichick was thinking there. Oh, man. A lot of content <laughs> to be had. Uh, so, I mean, I guess I'm interested, right? That's part of what all of this is about is intrigue and interest level. And I'd be interested to see uh, how it goes. At the same time, my life doesn't need more Tom Brady. Like I've had, I've had enough Tom Brady. True. I think everyone except Tom Brady fans have had enough of Tom Brady. <laughs> so I don't really like need more of him in my life. But I do think it's possible he could be a good announcer. If Tom Brady up and retired immediately today and became the Fox lead analyst right now, he would have to do the job until 2045 mm. to do it longer than his playing career, which is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, look, I don't know how this is going to be. I saw the news yesterday that came out that Richard Sherman was in mm. negotiations with Amazon for some sort of role with their programming. And I'll say right now, if I had to just put my money on one or the other. I think Richard Sherman would be a much better analyst than Tom Brady because Richard Sherman is not going to be afraid to call people out. I don't think he's going to be screaming, you know, and, and doing any of that, 
But I think Richard Sherman's going to have no problem saying this is a bad play. This is a good play and just lay it on the line. I don't know if Brady can do that. Maybe he can, but I don't like, I don't know how you can just pluck Tom Brady and say, yep, he's going to be our lead analyst. We've never heard him do it before. He's never done it. And it's all going to be fine. Uh, That's, that's a gamble. So I know you and RJ have been talking about this quite a bit. I think as recently as last week, um, like, who do you, who do you think they should have had instead? If not him, is there anyone because I, I knew you were talking about other names. I mean, I, Greg Olson is really, really good, who's already at Fox now. And I, honestly, I think Mark Schlereth deserves the, ch- the chance. He's been doing games for years. He's been an NFL analyst for years. He has a ton of on-air experience. Now, granted, I, I I'm, he's a friend. I'm going to be honest. I used to work with him at ESPN <laughs> for a while. But, like, I think he's really good. I think he's great. I think he's a little different than some of the other guys that are out there. He's a little more kind of like guy at the bar like less polished you know kind of like an everyman type of thing i get a kick out of stink i think he deserves a shot um yet like just because it worked out with tony romo who had never done it before doesn't mean that you can just grab guys and throw them in the chair it's it's a difficult job you got to be able to deliver you know 15 20 second bits and pieces of analysis in an interesting way and you've got to do it you know 80 90 times a game after every single play it's not easy it's not just about how much you know about football what do we think Brady's <clears throat> excuse me thing is going to be? Like I would say with Romo, you can kind of point to his energy, which has obviously become, yep. I think, annoying in some ways. Um, but like that's his thing with Collinsworth. I would say kind of just like the kind of like the humorous uh, levity to it that he brings. Sometimes like he'll just like chuckle through analysis. Oh, <laughs> look at this guy, <laughs> or uh, whatever. I, I don't know if that was a good impersonation at all, but I think you get what I'm talking about. So like, so what do you think is like Brady's thing? I feel like I guess I wonder if he might just be like too boring. Like he's just like you're gonna say a lot of words without actually not saying anything because that's what Tom Brady has kind of done for a long time. Well, to me, Tony Romo is at his best when he gets in the mind of the quarterback in two-minute situations, in crunch time situations, when he's like, look, here's the play. You're going to be going to the sideline, but you know we can't call this kind of route here. We can't look here in this situation because the defense is going to be doing this, and you got to get two plays off in the next 15 seconds, whatever it is. Like, when he does that, that to me is when Tony Romo was at his best. It's not the just, oh, here we go, Jim. Like, I, that is, I'm all set with that. Someone told him to keep doing that more, and he does it way too much now. But I think that's where Brady can be good. Brady can get into the mind of the quarterback and take you into what this person on the field is thinking or should be thinking in a particular situation. How often he does that? Can he do it quickly and effectively? I have no idea. But you're right. He doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that's going to bring it, you know, bring the emotion and the passion into the game. It just doesn't seem like that's who he is because uh, it's not who he has been in his whole career. So, again, we'll look forward to this in three, four years from now when he actually retires and then stays retired. Um, yeah. yeah. So we'll see. Uh, but I think that's a clue that, like, it's coming, right? Fox is not going to say, okay, five years from now. I think they know one or two more years mm-hmm. and – he'll be their guy. Now that still leaves the job open for this year. They still need a lead analyst for 2022. Um, I don't know who they're, who they're going to be. Who do you think it's going to be? Think they just be, give it to Olsen? Well, yeah, maybe it'll be one of your guys uh, in the meantime, yeah. see how that goes. Um, but I guess, you know, the, what if it, they're really good? And then <laughs> obviously it's not like a problem necessarily because you're getting Tom Brady. It's obviously a big draw. Um, but still, it would be kind of a bummer. Like if they had a good, if they have someone who's really good in the short term and maybe another network scoops up that person. So we'll see. That's true. Uh, you know what? And like we can get guys other than quarterbacks to do the job also. Like that's, we don't have to always have a quarterback in there. Troy Aikman, Tony Romo, now potentially Tom Brady, Mark Sanchez does get like Dubreeze. get some other positions, man. Damn it. How come we can't get a middle linebacker? They're the quarterback of the defense. Mm. I don't know. I'm just saying. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm in a very good mood today, even though it might not sound like it, BLG, because you hit me up yesterday with a message. And every time I see it, it gets me in a good mood. And that is the 100% accurate power rankings are back baby we have reached kind of the the lull i don't want to say the lull but the dust has sort of settled in the player acquisition period of the offseason we have a pretty good idea of what these teams are going to look like going into 2022 and you hit me up yesterday you've been in the lab so the only 100 accurate power rankings in the entire nfl podcast kingdom are back and i am here for it Free agency is over for the most part, obviously. Stats, still some additions that can be made, but the bulk of it, way over. The NFL draft is over, and the NFL schedule is yet to come out. And obviously, maybe that'll impact the rankings a little bit in terms of how much you believe in order, but we already know who all these teams are going to play. So we have a good idea, I feel like, of how we can put these teams into context in a league landscape uh, from 1 to 32. So, yes, I have been carefully crafting these. Yeah. And uh, where do you want to start, my friend? Well, let me start, as I usually do, by just running down the top 10, because I want people who, uh, you know, I want people to know where we stand. So right now you have the champion Rams at number one, mm-hmm. then the AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals at number two. Then it goes Buffalo three, Kansas City four, Tampa Bay five, Green Bay six, Denver seven, Chargers eight. Ravens nine and Las Vegas Raiders 10. So if I'm looking at this correctly, you have three NFC teams in the top 10. So 70% of the top 10 is in the AFC. And I, I can't really argue with you. It's all about the quarterback stats. We all know that. And obviously the AFC West, I have what all of those teams in the top 10, um, unless I'm missing someone, Raiders, no, right? Chiefs, Chargers, and Broncos. Yeah, yeah. that's everybody. <laughs> I have four AFC East teams in the top 10, which kind of speaks to how crazy that division is. But, but yeah, um, I mean, I feel strong about this group. Do you have a big like disagreement from this? Well, the two things that jump out to me are the Packers at six seems high with me. High, yeah. Who's Aaron Rodgers throwing to? I mean, I agree with you in terms of Aaron Rodgers not being a MVP for the third straight year, but it's still Aaron Rodgers and he'll make it work. And also, have you seen the rest of the NFC? Like the landscape fits that I think, you know, the Packers still have a road to being one of the very best teams. It might not be Aaron Rodgers' very best season, but he will certainly still be pretty freaking good and they will be in the mix for the number one seed. Uh, How low do you want me to be on them? I don't know if I would put them top 10, to be honest with you. I'm surprised. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy stats. Well, I mean, just because Aaron Rodgers is really good. I mean, Alan Lazard, Christian Watson, Sammy Watkins, and Randall Cobb. Okay. That's what you're giving me. It's not amazing. Again, I'm not saying, like, Packers are the best team. I have them outside of the top five, and I'm not saying Rodgers is going to have, again, yet another MVP season. But, like, Lazard... Watson, who I'm really not convinced of being anything at all, but Sammy Watkins gives you some kind of baseline. Randall Cobb gives you some kind of baseline, especially relative to Rodgers. Like Rodgers can, like he can still produce with those guys. He's not going to be like an awful quarterback because of these receivers. Again, I don't know how great he'll be, but he can get something out of these guys. But again, I don't like going into a season where your game plan is, okay, Aaron Rodgers, be otherworldly. 
Otherwise, we're going to be in trouble. Like, that's just a bad option. Hope is not a strategy. And by the way, Sammy Watkins could be hurt after two games. So mm. then what are you looking at for the Green Bay receiving court? Like, I, I don't know. I don't like it. I think that's too high for them at six. Uh, I, I think they're not being fair to Aaron Rodgers. I think it's ridiculous that the Eagles were able to trade for A.J. Brown. Like, where was Green Bay? What were you doing here? Come on, step up. Now is the time to act. Aaron Rodgers is not 29. He's 39. It would have made all the sense in the world for them to get A.J. Brown. Like, okay, you don't want to pay uh, Devontae Adams, or maybe you did, and he didn't want to be there. Either way, like, it's easy. So, you know, let's say the Packers trade Devontae Adams, but then trade for Tyreek Hill. Like that doesn't make a ton of sense, you know, from contract right. perspective and age and everything. It's like, well, this is kind of like a lateral move. With AJ Brown, you're going from Devontae Adams to a guy who's 24 currently. So it's not like just like getting Aaron Rodgers more help now. It's a guy who you feel like potentially might be able to be here beyond Aaron Rodgers potentially. So like it would make all the sense. And also you had 22 and 28. The Eagles gave up 18 and 101 right. <laughs> like you easily could have outbid the eagles offer and you should have given where you are in terms of like this win now thing and this is why we talked about the packers as losers of the nfl draft last week in our show um so yeah i i absolutely agree they should have made that move the other thing that jumped out to me was denver at seven hmm. uh you are assuming a lot of russell wilson in his first year in denver what makes mm. you so confident that only six teams in the entire league are better than the Denver Broncos? I mean, I think anyone else is assuming a lot if they're betting against a quarterback who has had two of his 10 seasons not be double-digit wins. One of them was a nine-win season, so basically, you know, it's one game away from a 10-win season. And the other one was last year in his worst season, which even so he still had a passer rating of 103.1 despite having a finger injury on his throwing hand. Like Russ is really good. I don't think I need to overthink this. Uh, I know it's a tough division, but I think rumors of Russell Wilson's demise have been greatly exaggerated. The Broncos roster has, you know, some talented players for him to work with in that receiving core with Cortland Sutton coming back and Jerry Judy there, Tim Patrick. Um, let's see if if Russ can get the most out of those guys. I think that's a, that's a good group for him. The offensive line, I think, is, is good enough for him to work with there. Um, yeah, I, I think Denver is in a decent spot with him. It's, it's Russ, baby. How can I bet against Russ? I've always been a Russ guy. The thing about Denver that I like as opposed to Green Bay is the Packers, Aaron has to elevate the wide receivers, and Denver has some young players that can elevate Russell Wilson a little bit. That That's reassuring to me if I'm a Broncos fan. I Look, I agree with you. Russ is awesome. I got to see it up close and personal for too many friggin' years, how awesome Russ is. I'm just, you know, they're going to have to make a big jump here, Denver, and every game in their division like there's no weeks off i hate that expression but you know what i'm saying like there's no cupcake to push around and so that's a lot of your schedule you know that's six games on your schedule where you're you're just literally in this my favorite term meat grinder and it's it's not going to be easy for denver like russ could play really well and they still may not win uh so we'll see uh, the, but that did jump out to me. The Broncos at number seven. Are you going to have these uh, rankings up on Bleeding Green Nation? Yes, stats, of course. All right. I didn't know if you were just doing them for me. That was going to make me feel like extra special. <laughs> who, if I could ask you, who was the team that jumped up most since the end of last season? That's a good question, stats. Um, why not bring it to the Philadelphia Eagles, baby? Ooh, Ooh. All right. I mean, it's not like they were down in the dumps, but where are they? Tell people where they are. I have them at number 12 now. Um, I forget where exactly where I had them at the end of the season, but I feel the feeling that I have about them is definitely better. I mean, stats, it's been said a billion times by me and everyone who kind of covers the NFC East. It's been a different division winner every year since yep. 2004. So nearly 20 years now. So why would you possibly just go into this season thinking, oh, yeah, the Cowboys definitely are going to win the division again? Doesn't mean it can't happen because it hasn't happened in a long time. But it's a little, you know, just simple, naive to think Dallas is definitely going to win the division again. So just by the law of averages, if you will, you know, I think it's it's pretty reasonable to pick a different team to win the NFC East, especially when you have the Eagles kind of 
on the upswing a little bit here with adding an A.J. Brown, adding Hassan Reddick, adding Jordan Davis, adding some talent that you feel good about to their roster. Quarterback still a question mark with Jalen Hurts. Secondary has some obvious holes at safety and cornerback. But, you know, there's still some time before the season to kind of sort that out, uh, at least on the secondary front. Um, and then I think the roster, other than that, looks pretty good, especially in the trenches, which is a key area. So, and all the while, the Cowboys, who I have just under the Eagles here at number 13, everything has been bad vibes for them this offseason. From the way they lost in the playoffs Ooh. to the Sean Payton replacing Mike McCarthy at some point, eventually feels like you know it's going to happen at some point. Uh, to Randy regularly leaving the Cowboys after they announced they resigned him <laughs> to the Cowboys, like reaching on their first round pick recently, like everything it's, it's the opposite of everything coming up Millhouse for the Cowboys. Everything is not coming up Millhouse, <laughs> And I think just the combination of the, those things, the Eagles kind of being a little bit more on the upswing seemingly while the Cowboys are kind of potentially having already peaked in the Mike McCarthy era. I just think uh, there's a reason to believe the Eagles can make a jump here. Where are the Cowboys better in a single area than they were last season? I can't identify one. And so that's really telling to me because I can pick spots on the Eagles where they're better than last season. It's clear. And so I, I agree with your logic. There's no reason to just hand that division to the Dallas Cowboys at all. I think the Giants are going to be improved. I don't want to say good because they still have Daniel Jones and he stinks. Um, but the Eagles are going to be much better. So I, I'm confident in saying, I don't know what the Eagles odds, you know, offhand the Eagles odds to win the NFCs. Cause that seems like a really good bet for me. I don't stats, but yes, it could be. Um, obviously there'll be more of that when the schedule is coming out later this week. Can I mention to you a team that was maybe the hardest to rank? Uh, yeah. Hold on one second. I just want to look up that Eagles thing. So the Eagles sure. over under is eight and a half. Okay. I mean, I feel pretty good about that. I think I would take the over. They have one of the easier schedules in the league as well. I'm actually going to be talking about that with, you guessed it, RJ Ochoa on the NFC East Mixtape today, after we, right after we record this episode, actually, stats. So not even too long in my future here about the quarterbacks on each of the NFC East team's schedules to kind of get a you know a sense of just how hard these schedules are. The Eagles, I think, for even me, not being the biggest Jalen Hurts believer, I think you can make the case he's like the better quarterback in all, but something like six or maybe seven of the Eagles games this year, that's just kind of the way their schedule shakes out. So absolutely an opportunity for them to kind of, you know, have a double-digit win season and, and, and win the NFC East. What was the question you wanted to ask me? I mean, it would be pretty bad if you just said no, because that'd be a pretty bad podcast, right? Isn't that always funny? You ask someone uh, like, hey, should we talk about this? And then my podcast co-host could just be like, no. And then, okay then we'll just be silent and there won't be a <laughs> podcast. Uh, the Browns were the hardest team for me to rank stats mm. because like, where do you put them? Because yeah. you don't know uh, about fully about Deshaun Watson's availability. And then even if he doesn't miss significant time, he was all, you know, there's a long layoff here and not only just like a long layoff, but a long layoff where he like played well for the Texans, but it didn't, result in wins so is that possible like that could happen again in cleveland to some extent at least and then the whole vibes of it all obviously just don't feel good uh about the entire deshaun watson situation so like i, I just have a hard time even ranking them because i could see a scenario where deshaun Watson comes in and he does play kind of at the level he did with the texans last and because the browns have better support the browns are first in that division or at least, like, you know, really pushing hard for that spot. And at the same time, I don't know how people are really going to feel about that. I can't imagine it's going to be great, at least a lot of them, other than maybe Browns fans. Um, so there's that. But I could also see a path where this is, like, th the Browns went wrong. And it's not that they're necessarily going to regret giving up on Baker. Because I think, you know, acknowledging that he's probably not the best long-term guy for them is fine. But, you know, pivoting to Deshaun Watson, of all people, might end up like blowing up in their face really badly and and taking a chance on this guy with serious red flags and giving him the first like fully guaranteed five-year contract for a quarterback the amount of money that they gave to him like this has disaster potential for it as well so i kind of just stuck them at 14 in the middle and figured they could go up or down from there but it's, it's a tough one to gauge i feel like it's something we kind of just kind of don't talk about a lot because we don't want to talk about deshaun watson but i mean it's it's definitely a uh, it's a big thing like in the NFL landscape. 
There's going to be more depositions for Deshaun Watson on Friday of this week. He's been deposed in seven cases. Is that what it is uh, so far? And he still has 15 more. So <laughs> that is where things are with Deshaun Watson. And like the best case scenario for Cleveland is they have a guy that had 22 pending civil suits against him playing quarterback for all 17 games. That's the best case scenario for them. If he gets suspended at all, now they might have, like, let's say Watson suspended for the first, like, six games, right? Mm-hmm. And Baker play. They hang on to Baker. <laughs> I can't and he see plays. That. And let's say the Browns are, like, four and two, right? Or five and one, or undefeated, right? Then all of a sudden, Deshaun strolls in. Do you think Baker's just going to quietly go back to the bench? Like, this is a potential disaster scenario for Cleveland. It's going to be one of the biggest storylines of the entire NFL year. I can't see how Baker possibly is playing for them again. Like, how is he invested? <laughs> he already said goodbye before Deshaun Watson was even <laughs> on the team. Like, I, I just don't see how he gets back on board. I just, I don't think that's, that's not Baker, right? There's very few players. I feel like to be fair to, like just not even just ba- there's very few players in that situation and they might be the most like team oriented guys who could really be fully invested and feel great about that you're a human being you just were you know you're being replaced um baker especially does not seem to have the disposition for that so uh i just don't think he's going to be there first of all but yeah i mean even if so they they have what jacoby Brissett is who they signed and obviously um you know, I think with the expectation that he might have to play a little bit with Watson being unavailable. And that's not the worst thing. Jacoby no. can probably get you through a couple games. You know, mm-hmm. if, if let's say the you know he does miss six games. Browns could go three and three in that stretch. Jacoby, I think, can keep them afloat enough for the rest of that roster. Um, so we'll see. But I, I just don't know. Again, the vibes are just so so bad there that I, I don't know what to make of the Browns. I think they can go. I think it's it's gonna be a one of two outcomes for them. They're either going to be a, it's going to be a really good season for them or a really, really bad season. And the thing I don't understand is supposedly what the Browns are worried about is if they cut Baker, that the Steelers will pick him up. Uh, <laughs> and obviously Baker, I'm sure would love that. Cause you get to play the Browns twice a year and stick it to the team. That but if you're good. the, if you're the Browns, you've already decided that Baker is not good enough to right. be your quarterback. So why do you care if he goes to a division rival? Wouldn't you want that? Wouldn't you want a division rival to be quarterback by someone that you don't think is good enough to be on your team? Like that, I don't understand that logic. If you've got Brissett there, he'll get you through. He's not a bad quarterback. He he is a perfect guy to, you know, keep you afloat through the rough waters before Deshaun Watson gets there, since that's the path you want to go down. And just get rid of Baker and make him somebody else's problem if you're Cleveland. How many problems do you want to be dealing with at one time if you're the Browns? Wouldn't it be nice to just have one less? One fewer, even? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I think that... uh, (laughs) You just couldn't let it go, could you? (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I wouldn't be concerned about that if I was the Browns. Like, oh no, Baker's going to Pittsburgh. Right. Where, what do they think the worst that's going to happen? Like he's just exactly. going to be the guy there for like years and years and they're always going to regret it. I mean, if that was the case, then why would you trade for Desha- or, you know, yeah, trade yeah. for Deshaun Watson? Like you just keep Baker. So yeah, that, I agree. The with you logic just doesn't make sense for me. Uh, you had Cleveland at 14. Uh, I don't want to let this go by without talking about my San Francisco 49ers since I, of course, you know, be a homer whenever possible. You have the Niners at 11, which I'm surprised because I felt like going into last season, you were down on them. I was telling you that they could make a deep playoff run. You didn't believe me. Of course, I was a thousand percent Mm. right. Just for the record, you have them at 11 right now. Who are you thinking is going to be the quarterback that makes you confident enough to put the 49ers at 11? Well, I don't know. That's the thing. They're hard to rank because I don't know who their week one quarterback is going to be. I would think, as many do, that Trey Lance is the most likely option. But I mean, Jimmy G is still here. And until he's gone, like that's kind of hard to just put away and assume that he is definitely going to be gone until he, I actually see him gone. Because I go back to what Peter Schrager was kind of saying during the draft coverage. And you know, Schrager's plugged in. And he was kind of talking about, well, like, it's possible that Jimmy G is just back. And I'm like, I don't know. 
I, I don't think that should happen, but for the sake of you having to jump in the lake, I also do think <laughs> it should happen. So, and then even if Trey Lance does end up being the starter and Jimmy is gone, I've brought it up before with you before stats. Like I, I know people want to be like, well, we don't know what he is. I mean, I, I agree in the sense of we haven't seen enough of a sample size to definitely know his entire career and the book being written on him. But that the 49ers have been reluctant to play him and and like that the situation is still going on. There's some signal there. I don't think that's completely meaningless. I think it's possible that he has looked really bad in practice and you take that for what it's worth. Or there have been certain red flags, at least in some areas. Maybe it's not even in practice. Maybe it's with the chalkboard. I don't know. I can't speak to it. I'm not in the 49ers organization. But I think there's enough there to make me wonder if Trey Lance is definitely just going to step in and be amazing. And I was already kind of, I think you know this, when we were talking about the quarterback prospects last year before the 49ers even drafted him or were strongly connected to him, I was like, I don't, I don't want to draft this guy, especially because the Eagles, you know, had originally like the six pick and there was talk that maybe they could draft Trey Lance. Yep. Like, I don't want this guy. He's barely played any football. Like this is such a projection. Maybe he could be great. I don't know. There's potential there. I get it. There's ability, but like he's such an unknown and he was so inexperienced having come out of the FCS level. And not only that, but like the amount of pass attempts that he had at that level were just so few. Like he's just a complete wild card. So, yeah, he could be great. But also, I think he could be really, really bad. I think he could be one of the worst starting quarterbacks in the NFC next year. Wow. that I think that's a little steep uh, just because I don't think that – I think that Kyle's system and the playmakers around him are good enough to inflate him to where he's not going to be the worst in the NFC. But just – you're right about him being raw. Like, let me just throw it out there. Trey Lance just turned 22 yesterday. If he starts, he'll be the youngest starting quarterback in the NFL. He is younger than all the big quarterbacks that were drafted this year. Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, Matt Corral, all those guys. Trey Lance is younger than him. And Malik Willis just got picked, right? He threw, in his college career, 618 passes. Trey Lance, in his college career, has thrown 318 passes. So Malik Willis has twice as many pass attempts in college as Trey Lance. So that shows you how raw this guy is. But I agree, the 49ers have have set up things to where people are going to question Trey Lance because of how they've handled the Jimmy Garoppolo thing. It's natural for people to question their belief in Trey when they keep Jimmy Garoppolo there. Like, I don't I don't think that they view it like that. I think they look at it as two separate things like Trey's skill and Garoppolo's value. But that's not how the rest of the world sees it. And I get that. I think Trey's going to start. I think he's going to be very good. Uh, he's going to have some ups and downs, but like, honestly, like I'm, I think that you're going to get in a perfect world, 23 to 26 passing touchdowns from Trey, hopefully five or six rushing touchdowns and probably like 12 to 15 interceptions. I think that's realistic. Is that crazy? I just think the downside here is considerable. And to be fair, I have them at 11, so I'm hardly saying they're a terrible team. I think there's still a lot of talent on their roster that and obviously Shanahan for his faults gives them some kind of floor. Like I think we've seen a floor with him when he's, you know, the quarterback is healthy and it isn't like a disaster season. The other thing here though, stats is like Debo Samuel's future is still kind of up in the air. I know he followed the 49ers back yeah, on he Instagram did. or whatever, but like, okay, but it's still up in the air. And even if he does come back, is there anything to like him, his usage and how he wants to be used? Like, cause that seemed to be kind of be an issue. At least that was kind of coming up with, with whatever was being discussed when he might want to be traded, that he didn't want to be used as a running back as much. So if that's the case and Debo is back, but he's not like being fully maximized, well, that's not great. And the 49ers are a worse team if he's not being maximized like that. So I just think there are some question marks with the 49ers that make me wonder if they're definitely going to make a third NFC championship game in four years. There are questions for sure, uh, but let's not sleep on Debo as a pure wide receiver. We're talking about somebody that had 1,400 receiving yards on less than 80 catches. That has only been done 10 other times in the history of the NFL, and he was barely used as a receiver down the stretch last year. So even if you're not using him as a running back, he is a viable wide receiver. He has shown that last season. I think that they know that there are usage issues. Because they drafted Ty Davis Price in the third round. That's a running back in the third round for the second straight year for the 49ers. I think they know 
that they don't want to have to depend on Debo. They didn't want to put him in the backfield last year. They had no choice. Their running back room got decimated and they needed somebody that could make an explosive play. That wasn't the plan for them going into the season. So yeah, I think that is definitely a factor. But yeah, there are questions about the Niners. I like that you have them at 11. You also have them. That's making the playoffs then. If you just go by your rankings, because right. you've got the Rams at one. Then the next NFC team is Tampa at five, Green Bay at six. So that's three. And then the Niners at four. So four, you have them as a four seed or, you know, five seed, let's say, given the division in the NFC. So I'll take that right now. So looking down the list a bit, there's just so many teams that are bad stats. That was one of my takeaways of doing this. Like my bottom five, let's read those for the for the teams who aren't uh, the fans, maybe listening, who aren't fans of the top teams and, and are on the opposite end of the spectrum. I'll start with the highest of the top, the bottom five, which is the Chicago Bears. I have it 28. Justin Fields has potential. I feel like people are already writing the excuses for him. And I think some of that is legit. Like, I'm not saying the Bears have done an amazing job of helping him. But I also think people have strongly held Justin Fields' beliefs and they kind of want to give him excuses already so they can't be wrong about him. It's like, well, he he wasn't set up to succeed. So when he fails, it's like, well, I told you he wouldn't because he didn't have the right things. I mean, at some point, he has to show more than he has. I'm not saying he needs to. Again, when I, I talk about that, I'm not expecting Justin Fields to be the MVP of the league. But you also cannot be like this bad at taking so many sacks and being like the slowest quarterback in the league to get the ball out. Like there are definitely things he could have done better. It's one thing to be, you know, like not amazing in your rookie season and kind of like below average or kind of just regular bad. But he was like bad, bad. And I don't <laughs> think he had to be that bad. So uh, I kind of question the Bears. The Falcons are starting Marcus Mariota in the year 2022. I like a Marcus Mariota for what he is as a guy who could probably be a high end backup. Yep. And a decent bridge quarterback, if you have another like young guy on your roster that you want to pivot to, but you don't want to put him in like right away, like that's fine. But <laughs> the Falcons don't have that. They don't have someone they're pivoting to. I mean, maybe you, you're a bigger believer, not just you stats, but the Royal you, the listener, is a bigger believer in Desmond Ritter than I am. Um, I think it's funny how a lot of his comparisons were to Marcus Mariota. <laughs> so I don't really know about the ceiling there. I think if you want to be a team that can win – maybe eight games every year. Maybe Desmond Ritter can kind of be that guy who will prevent you from being one of the very worst teams, but I don't really think you're going too far with him. So I have the Falcons there at 29. The Texans, it's not really a believer in a lot of the things happening there. Levy Smith is somehow a head coach. Marcus Mariota, starting quarterback in 22. Levy Smith, somehow a head coach in the year 2022. Like, what are we doing here? Seattle, I have it 31. That can go up if they address their quarterback position. But right now they're starting Drew Locke. And then the Panthers I have all the way at 32 where talk about a bad vibes team stats. I mean, this has been terrible. They tried to (laughs) hire an offensive coordinator, a a quote-unquote rock star offensive coordinator. They ended up with Ben McAdoo who is potentially (laughs) tipping the team's draft plans. And and Sam Darnold right now is currently still their best option at quarterback. I like him at Corral, so I'm intrigued there by him, and maybe he'll kind of come in and, and be better than expected. But for now, it's Darnold. Um, so I, this, like, these teams are really, really bad. And I didn't even include the Jags, who had the number one overall pick two years in a row, because I'm hoping Doug Peterson kind of bring them out of what they're in. But like the Jags just are just above the top five, the Jets, the Giants. like There's some really bad teams here. Sliver64209 says, let's go Jags. Uh, the Jags are going to be better, but not by much. Um, there are, there are some really, it's ugly for a lot of those teams that you just talked about. I mean, Chicago, my justice Mosqueda, our colleague from the Acme packing company pointed out to me that the bears have spent less than $50 million on their, or are spending less than $50 million on their offense this year. I think they have more dead cap money than that, which is just absurd when you have a rookie quarterback and you're trying to build around them. So that's not a good situation. Atlanta, I get it, right? Like, it's not ideal to start Marcus Mariota, but, like, you're in transition with your quarterback situation there. They're not going to be good this year, but he's not – they don't expect him to be the long-term answer. I don't have any faith in any of the quarterbacks that were taken outside of the first round. Corral, Malik Willis, any of those guys. Desmond Ritter, like, no. History has shown us that the overwhelming outcome for those – players is not going to be stardom it's going to be backups really so again you can if you're a falcon fan and you want to get on the desmond ritter hype train like great okay 
I'm not on that train with you. I am on the platform watching that train go by. Yeah. Uh, I'm. So you said beyond the first round. Does that mean you're a Kenny Pickett believer? No. Okay. Well, not so with- the entire draft. Yeah. I mean, he's the to me, he's the only one that even has a shot to be mm. anything. Like if you are the quarterback and you are not picked in the first round, even the second round, guys, I think only like two quarterbacks that were picked in round two developed into starters from 2012 to 2021. One was Russ. Oh, Russ was third round. Excuse me. Third round. That's my bad. So third was Russ and Foles, basically. So if you were a quarterback picked (laughs) in the third round from 2012 to 2021, the only two guys that developed into starters were Russ and Foles. And Foles is not even like. He's no never started a starter. 16 game season. Yeah. And he never will. I mean, he's currently a free agent. Uh, we'll see what happens with good old Super Bowl MVP, Nick Foles. Uh, to take it back to the AFC North, since we mentioned them quickly and Kenny Pickett, I have the Steelers at tw- uh, 20th. You know, they the Steelers give you a floor for as maybe as unappetizing as their quarterback situation might be. Yep. We know it with Tomlin, with the history of the organization, they have a floor and it's a team that doesn't have a losing record. So, I mean, even if they have a losing record this year, it's, it's probably I'm going to say like eight and nine. Like it's going to, they're going to be competitive. They're not going to lay down easy. That's just not what the Steelers do. Um, but to bring it back up a little higher in the AFC North, I put the Baltimore Ravens here, as you mentioned earlier, stats in the top ten at number nine overall, and <clears throat> get a lot of flack. Not flock. I know that's like the Ravens fans. That's their <laughs> thing, right? Ravens flock or whatever. Uh, get a lot of flack here. Not Joe Flacco either. Uh, that you know, too hard on Lamar, too hard on the Ravens, whatever. I mean, at the Ravens at number nine, I think they're going to be a really good regular season team. They crushed the draft. And that alone doesn't mean a lot or anything necessarily. Like a draft isn't just about obviously the upcoming season as much as it's laying a foundation for years and years to come. And even, you know, you you had Kyle Hamilton, you had uh, Tyler Linderbaum. Those guys might be really good players and they also might not be really good in year one. So I'm not saying it's just about the draft. But they were so banged up last year that you have to figure they're going to get some better injury luck than they had, and they're going to be somewhat healthier, even if not fully healthy. So, you know, I think this is this, and this is a huge year for Lamar. Huge, huge year. I think the dis- discussion around him just being a different guy, which is what they were talking about also on the uh, NFL broadcast during NFL Network broadcast during the draft. Just like Lamar is a different guy. He's just kind of, you know, he's just different. He doesn't want the big money. He wants to earn it first. I'm like, give me a break. Come on. If you if you put a billion-dollar contract in front of Lamar Jackson, and obviously that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but if you if you give the top NFL contract, if you, if you go above what Deshaun Watson got and gave that to Lamar right now, I can't you can't look me in the eyes and tell me he's not signing that. Of course he's signing that. What are you talking about? It's not about him being different or whatever. I think it's totally about the Ravens having a number that they want to pay him at. And it's not quite that top number. And good for Lamar, by the way, for for playing it and like willing be willing to bet on himself. I think that makes the most sense for him. But I don't think it's just about like the Ravens just want to pay him and he just doesn't want to take it. Like that's that's a little too much for me. I think the Ravens have questions about him in in conjunction with their confidence in that they don't need to do literally pay any cost a blank check because they have some confidence in their own scouting ability and whatnot um especially after a draft like this so i think it's a huge year for him and this is it this he has to do it stats he has to step up didn't make the playoffs last year team was hurt whatever has to make the playoffs has to produce very strongly in the playoffs so this is my lamar take for this season this is my galaxy brain take on the whole thing What the Ravens did with Lamar Jackson when he came into the league, I think, was a thousand percent the right thing to do. Once he became the full-time guy, they overhauled their system and they geared everything toward maximizing Lamar's skill set. And it worked. He won the MVP in his second season in the league. Like, that is incredible. But the goal when you draft any quarterback, especially one like Lamar, right, where initially his strength was running the football, not throwing the football. The hope is... That as that guy gets experience in the league, they develop those passing skills, whether it's reading a defense, whatever the case may be. But they develop so that they are better than they were, obviously, when they came in and that they can run a system that isn't so focused on using the quarterback's legs. The Ravens have not done that. They have not changed their system 
to be less based on the run and transition it into more of a passing based system, right? They still load up on tight ends all the time. They're still running a crazy amount of design runs with Lamar. This is year five for him. You would think that by now, right, half a decade into his career, we would have begun to see that development as a passer. Now, I'm not saying he hasn't developed at all, but they're still primarily running that run first Greg Roman offense, which is part of the reason Hollywood Brown wanted out. He wanted a more traditional NFL offense. And if Lamar, if they think that the best way for Lamar to win is not to have that kind of offense, that's very, very telling for me. So you're right. I think it's a huge year from Lamar. I want to see more of that kind of growth from him. And I don't know if we will. I'm just saying like, that's my Lamar take. That's what my eye is on with him when I look at the Ravens this year. So Baltimore is 22nd in run, uh, sorry, passing play percentage last year. Um, that was definitely up from years past where they were basically like, you know, like dead last or like, like just the second to last. Uh, actually, they were dead last in 2020. Mm-hmm. And then in 2019, they were dead last once again. Yeah. So and and under this is passing play percentage under 50%. They're at like 45.9. Like, so that's, that's crazy that they're run, not many teams are running the ball more often than they are throwing the ball in today's NFL. Um, you know, by contrast, the top team in terms of passing percentage is like at 67%. That's how often they're passing. The Ravens are under 50. It's, it's a big gap. Anyway. Um, I think the idea that, like there's, there are some you know drawbacks to such a run-heavy system is legit, and I don't think we're seeing teams win Super Bowls like that necessarily. And also, I've heard RJ bring this up before, and it's something I kind of witnessed firsthand, at least until more recently, with the Eagles in free agency this year. It's like they're not able to attract a lot of these receivers. They don't want to come here and play, especially for if they're coming on a one-year deal or they're trying to boost their value for the next offseason. Why were they going to sign in a non-volume passing offense and one of the lowest volume passing offenses in the league? So I think, you know, some of those receiver issues can definitely be like connected to how this the play style of the team. Like that's not just total coincidence. And I think to that point, you know, like, like I've said about Jalen Hurts, which wide receivers are lining up to play in Baltimore? Like I don't think that's the case. So, um, you know, maybe it's it's not all of Lamar's fault, and that's not to say. The Ravens can't get some good production out of the guys they have. I think Rashad Bateman will be interesting to watch this year. I think he has some potential. But again, it comes down to Lamar. It's a really big season for him. I just don't know how you feel amazing if you're the Ravens. And it's another season where the Ravens don't make the playoffs, first of all. Obviously, that would be really bad. But if they do, and Lamar is out in the first round again, and he kind of has like a a meh game or anything even worse than that like how do you feel great about giving him this massive contract and obviously i don't think they will do that i think they will play it out where they tag him or whatever fifth year like i think they'll they'll slow play that because they don't want to make that commitment but like i just don't know how you feel amazing about that it's not that lamar isn't a good player it's just that like you don't feel amazing about the resources that you're dedicating to that player i think that's a totally fair take and we'll see how it unfolds for baltimore One last team I want to get to really quickly because I love where you have them is the Miami Dolphins at 21. I think a lot of people are super high on the Dolphins. Oh, you know, they made the trade for Tyreek Hill and they brought in Raheem Mostert and some running backs there. And they're, you know, here comes the Dolphins that full speed ed. And I'm just like, I I don't know, man. I don't, I'm not in on Tua. I don't know that the Dolphins are even the second best team in the division. I don't think that they are. Uh, I think the Patriots are ahead of the Dolphins. I, the Bills are obviously ahead of the Dolphins. Like I, I'm not sold on Miami by any stretch of the imagination. I definitely have to see it. I do like Mike McDaniel as a coach. Yes. I think their offense is going to be a lot more interesting. But I don't know that like the Shanahan system, so to speak, can take a garbage quarterback and make him a really good quarterback. Like there's a boost that you get. But I've seen garbage quarterbacks in the Shanahan system. Trust me, it's not the boost. It, it can't take bad and make it great. And and I think two was kind of bad. Yeah, it's this what's this was what this ranking comes down to. I just there's nothing about Tua that really wants to make me believe in him wholeheartedly. Even his best moments. I mean, there's enough there to believe that you know he can be a low end starter. 
whatever. But I just don't think, like, what are you really winning with Tua? And just because the Dolphins ended the season last year on a, you know, a better note for them, considering that they started one and seven, uh, and they beat up on a bunch of bad teams, which, you know, you get some level of credit for that because there are worse teams in the league who can't win those games. But and they still started one and seven. Like those eight <sighs> games count. Yeah, they still started one and seven. And I have them in the middle ish, a little lower, uh, lower in the middle ish, but yep. in the middle ish. I st- still think they're around there because of Tua. I agree with you about Mike McDaniel. I think that gives them some upside. I think on paper, having. Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill is pretty terrifying, but like it, it matters only so much if you don't believe in the quarterback's ability to get the ball to those guys. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I think the Dolphins will, you know, like, can they win seven, eight games, nine, like in that area? Sure. But I don't think they're doing too much more than that. I don't think this is any kind of special season for them, especially as you mentioned with the Bills in the division, with the Patriots potentially still being ahead of them. And although the Jets, I'm not really expecting them to be good. I think they will be better than at least than they were last year, which isn't saying a lot. So yeah, I, I don't think everything is coming up Dolphins by any means. Let me just read you the Dolphins home games. Obviously they have the division games. Then Browns, Steelers, Packers, Vikings, Texans, and their road games are Ravens, Bengals, Bears, Lions, hmm. Chargers, 49ers. That is not an easy schedule by any stretch of the imagination. Like Tua can't just be average. He's going to have to be good, I think, if they're going to make the playoffs in the AFC. I don't think he is. And I think that they'll be moving on in their quarterback search sooner rather than later. You can see the entire power rankings up on bleedinggreennation.com. They're full of stats and nuggets and information for you to make you a smarter fan. BLG, I just want to say just thank you for your service. I love the power rankings. Stats, it's always fun to do. I think it's important to remember that you should take things way too seriously and then definitely get worked up and get really mad about me (laughs) if you don't like where your team is because that's what being a fan is all about, is caring way too much about things that don't actually matter at all. If you have a problem or you love the power rankings, whatever, you have a comment, please leave it in your review on Apple Pods or wherever you listen. I promise you, if you take the time to leave it, we will take the time to read it. BLG, I hope you have a fantastic Tuesday, a fantastic rest of your week. And uh, yeah, tell RJ I say hello when you record the NFC NFC East mixtape. I know you listen stats, so I I know you can't wait for that shout out. Yeah. Have a good one, everybody. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.